Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Mighty Father, we give you thanks again for gathering us to hear your word this day. And Lord, you have shown us your Son, Jesus, in his forgiving and loving nature. And now, Lord, we pray that as we hear this word, we would also be bold to spread this word, to share the good news of what Christ has done for us and for the world. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. I just recently finished listening to a book uh, about a man who had invented a virtual reality world. And it was kind of this, this world you could enter into, you get this sort of virtual reality system and you could enter into this world and play sort of a pretend version of yourself in this world. And as you got to play in this world, you got to invent a persona of yourself. Uh, that persona of yourself is known as an avatar. And with this avatar of yourself, you could decide everything about the person what they looked like, what they were good at, what talents they had, how strong they were, how attractive they were, how bald they were. You could come up with all of this stuff on your own and then present sort of the ideal of yourself in this virtual reality world. Which got me thinking, what if we had a video game that had to do with evangelism? Right? Sharing of the gospel. And we got to create this world in which we were responsible for sharing the gospel with others. But instead of making avatars of ourselves, we would make avatars of the people we were preaching the gospel to. Now, if you had that opportunity, who would be the ideal person that you would design to spread the gospel to? What would they be like? What would those conversations look like? What questions would they ask you? Would they ask you all the questions that you had all the right answers to? Uh, what would their life situation be like? Would they have emotional struggles that you would be able to speak into? Or perhaps they would have no emotions whatsoever, and so it would be very easy to talk to them. <laughs> Maybe they would be someone who had a successful business and a happy family, and so it's the kind of person that you want to invite to join you at the church. What would that person look like? What would that ideal situation be? And if you found that person, would it make it easier for you to share the gospel with them? Well, as I was thinking about this little thought experiment this week, uh, I thought I would let you know, as you are now engaged in this experiment with me, uh, that doesn't exist. That's not a thing. There is no stereotypical person out there who, who is just two button clicks away from coming to the faith. Everyone in this world is in a heap of trouble. Nothing is ideal. Everyone in this world is dealing with sin and confusion and self-deception and proud idolatry and so on. There is no person who is in yours or my ideal situation to hear the gospel. Which actually means everyone in this world is in the ideal situation to hear the gospel. Because everyone in this world needs salvation. Everyone in this world needs Jesus. Everyone in this world needs forgiveness. Everyone needs hope. And everyone needs to be declared righteous. And the reality is, is that without somebody coming alongside of them and speaking that gospel into their ears, without somebody coming alongside of them and introducing them to the Jesus who is their Savior, 
everyone in this world is going to be looking for God in all the wrong places and looking for hope and salvation from all the wrong gods. And when I say everyone in this world, I literally do mean everyone. No one can know God or even be in the place to figure out God without somebody coming alongside to introduce them to Jesus. This is what Paul says so beautifully and powerfully in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes through hearing. And hearing comes through the word of Christ. And so how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news into this world. See, we don't come to God by searching for him in the right places and finding him under a rock or something like this. God is not someone we decide to choose because we saw the menu options, like we went to the local fast food God restaurant and we were looking at all the menu items and you're like, you know what, today I think I'm going to decide for like uh, Jesus with a side of fries and a milkshake. Like that's what I want today. That's not how it works. Because part of being a sinner means we simply will not Choose the one true God. We simply will not seek the truth of God. We are too blinded by our own sin. We are too bound to our own sinfulness. We need to be set free. We need to have our eyes open. This is exactly what Nathaniel himself experienced today, as we heard in our reading from John chapter 1, when Philip came alongside him and brought him to see Jesus. Text says this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. And a little later, Philip found Nathanael and said, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Now, if you're trying to imagine the ideal person to be ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, someone who is perfectly prepared for this, Nathaniel would probably be your guy. After all, Nathaniel is a Jewish guy. He's brought up in a Jewish culture where his life had been saturated in the Old Testament scriptures. Now, Now, I don't know if he did well in Hebrew school or not, but he was certainly brought up in that school. He certainly knew enough of the Old Testament to be interesting at Old Testament dinner party mixers. Like, he knew his stuff. Further, uh, Nathaniel was a guy who seemed to have his morals in the right place. He knew which side of the tracks to stay on and which part of the city to avoid. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? My parents never let me go party in Nazareth. We don't go to Nazareth, you see. Nathaniel seemed to have his religion and his morals all in the right place. And yet even Nathaniel is in the dark. Even Nathaniel needs somebody to come alongside of him and turn the lights on. And when they do, even at that point, he's still adverse to receiving the message. See, no one comes to God on their own. Everyone is in the dark until somebody turns on the lights. And that's actually what this season of Epiphany, where we find ourselves today, that's what the season of Epiphany is really all about. Jesus, who is the light of the world, coming into this world of darkness and sin and despair to reveal himself as our light, the forgiver of sins and the hope of the world to come. And you and I don't know that unless someone comes and tells it to us, unless somebody comes into our lives and says, come and see. And that's why you're here today. 
And that's how you actually came to the faith is because somebody, Christ used somebody in your life to put his gospel into your ear. Now, I know we've all got kind of different stories about this. Uh, There are many of us here, I'm sure, who have come to the faith uh, sort of later on in life. We didn't grow up in the church, or we did, and we walked away, and then we came back to the church. And there were a lot of reasons that we stayed away because we thought of the church maybe like uh, Nathaniel thought of Nazareth. Can anything good be found in the church? Maybe you came later on in life, but before that, you were just opposed to God. You thought it was all sort of a myth. You didn't believe this at all. And yet somebody came to you in your situation preached Christ into your ears in some way, and your mind was changed, and your heart was changed. Maybe it was you were doing just fine in life. Everything was great. Everything was going exactly according to plan, and then something terrible happened, and the bottom fell out, and you fell through. And everything felt like it was coming crashing down on you, and somebody came along into your life and introduced you to this Jesus who brought you hope and and got you back up on your feet and gave you, uh, once again, uh, joy and again and hope in this life. Everybody comes in a different way because somebody comes and preaches the gospel to them. Now, you might be kind of like me and say, that doesn't sound like my story at all. Like, my story is very different. I was brought up in the church. I was baptized as an infant, and I've been a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I almost said Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod sinner, which would have been pretty good. Uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod member my whole life. I've been a member and a sinner my whole life. It's been going pretty good. Um, And that might be. But, you know, even then for that baby, when you were a baby, you were in the dark. You were born in the dark. Think about this. I mean, all these situations where that just seems so impossible to us that Christ could actually save people in these difficult situations. Think about a baby. What can a baby do for themselves? Nothing. Baby can't do anything for themselves. It takes a miracle for God to save a baby. And it's it's literally the miracle that takes place in baptism. When Christ has his water poured on their heads and he names them as his own and he gives them the gift of faith and now they belong to him. It's a wonderful miracle. In fact, maybe babies are the ideal people to save because they don't have a whole lifetime of of sin and and, and struggle and doubt in their background. They're just getting started on all of that stuff. (laughs) See, Christ finds us where he wants to find us, and he brings his gospel to us at any point in our lives. But he's always using someone else to do it. There is no ideal situation. There's just the situations in front of us. And into each of those situations, God sends his gospel to bring salvation to sinners. It's the only people he has to work with. So those are the people he comes to save. And what's really shocking to us in all of this is that not just that there are not ideal people out there for us to save. I mean, there is no ideal situation. But so often we look in the mirror and we say, well, I'm not the right person to do it. I'm not the right person to share the gospel with them. I need someone with more education. I need someone with more knowledge. I need someone who's more spiritual to share uh, the gospel with them. But here's what you've got to realize. God only brings his gospel into the lives of other sinners through the mouths of sinners. Think about it. You are here because a sinner came to you and brought you the gospel. Maybe it was a sinner who brought you to the waters of baptism. It was a sinner who taught you Sunday school. It was a sinner who preached to you from the pulpit. There was some sinner in your life that God loved and saved and gave to you as a gift so that they might put the gospel of Jesus Christ into your ears. 
That gospel came through their lips, and you who were lost, their words found you. You who were dead, the gospel of the preaching of the gospel, I should say, the preaching of the forgiveness of sins on account of the dying and rising of Christ raised you to a new life. Good night. He's still doing it. Even now, this morning, you've got a sinner standing in front of you today to tell you that on account of Jesus Christ, who was the sinless one, you are forgiven. You are found. You are now living freely in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, just like with Philip in our reading today, Jesus found you. And just like Philip in our reading today, he has made you his own. And now, like Philip, you confess your faith in Jesus as your Savior. And just like Philip, you know somebody in your life who is like Nathaniel, who is probably still in the dark and needs to have someone come along and turn the light of Jesus Christ on for them. Now, what I'm about to do, you've heard me do before, and you're probably going to hear me do it a whole lot. But what we see right now is that in our world and in our culture and in our country, there's a lot of people who are no longer familiar with the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are moving further and further into the dark. We've heard these statistics before. We are now living at a point in our country uh, where there are less than half of the population in church on a Sunday morning. A lot of this is because people have left the church. If you were here on Christmas Eve, you heard me tell you this statistic. That over the course of the last 25 years, 40 million people have stopped going to church. What's becoming even more tricky for us now is because so many people aren't going to church, they're not raising their kids in the faith, which means we have a lot of people in this world and this generations that are coming forward who don't know the language of the church, who don't know the language of the Bible. They don't know anything about Christ Jesus. There's a lot of people who are in the dark. And what we could do is, you know, we could sit around and, and wring our hands and point our fingers and blame the culture or uh, the entertainment industry or the government or the schools. And we could point our fingers at everyone else and blame them for all of this. Or we could be Christians about this and repent and recognize that maybe we're a little bit culpable in this. Maybe people aren't coming because we're not inviting them. Maybe people are leaving because we've said something wrong to them. It may well be that we are part of the reason people aren't coming. And so maybe what we do first before anything else is we turn to Christ and repent and then get out there and share the good news that there's forgiveness for repentance. In fact, I know that there are a lot of you here today who really struggle with this who are repentant, who are looking at your life, you're looking at your situation, you're looking at your family and your friends, and you're wondering, what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. We don't know. There are some of you here who are repenting because you're like me and you get a little anxious and fearful of having these conversations. I mean, this is the stuff I lose sleep over. But if that's you today, know that the Lord Jesus comes to you today and he does what he always does with people in a place of repentance. He looks at you in your sinful eyes and he says, I've died for you. You know that. Even that is forgiven. Listen, I don't think about those sins anymore. Any sin that was in you, as he says to Nathaniel, any deceit that is in you, there is now no deceit, for I've washed it clean in my blood. I have forgiven you for all of it. 
You have nothing left in you but my love, my forgiveness, and my promise as as far as I'm concerned, says Jesus. He looks at you and says, you are forgiven, you are mine. And then he sends you out with Philip to preach that good, forgiving word to others. One of the interesting things uh, I read in this statistic about these 40 million people who have left the church They've left the church for a variety of reasons, and, and, and a good number of them have left because they've been very burnt and harmed by the church, and, and it makes sense that they would leave. I would leave, too, in their situation. But the vast majority of them haven't left for that reason at all. They've just found other things to do. They've moved to a new town. Things in their lives are just, church just doesn't really fit in right now. And over half of those people said, like 51%, over half of those people said that they would be willing to come back to church if someone would just invite them. They just need an invitation. I'll give you an illustration of this. My, my friend Justin is a, is, a, is a bishop in the Episcopal Church down in Central Florida, and he was telling me a story about a friend pastor of his who, who was serving in a church, and uh, he got to know this gentleman in his community because their kids were involved in the same kind of activities. And they got to talking, and, and one day this guy disclosed to him that he was a single father. His wife had left him. His, his life was really in a difficult spot, but he was raising his kids on his own. And in the course of the conversation, the pastor looked at him and he realized, I should probably invite this guy to church. Maybe he doesn't have a church home. And he said to him, you know, you should come check out church with me. If you were in Bible study on Wednesday, you heard this story already, uh, but it's worth repeating and thinking about. He said, you should come uh, and join me in church. And the guy looked at him and said, wait, I can? You mean I'm, I'm allowed to come? I didn't know the rules, like if I needed an invitation or if there was a list I had to sign up on or something like this. I didn't know how to come. And, and now you're telling me I can just come? And the pastor's like, yeah, you can just come. <laughs> it's all right. Well, the guy comes. He joins the church. Suddenly he gets plugged in. Now his, he and his kids are, are part of the life of the church, and they're part of the body of Christ. Now, I tell you that story not to say every conversation is going to go that way, but I tell you that story to let you know some of them will. There are people who... who want to get plugged into the church, and maybe they're not in the ideal situation, and maybe it's kind of a difficult time in their life. But stop looking for the ideal and just start to invite people to come and see Jesus. Could it be that one of the things that's preventing people from showing up is the church not inviting them? It's just that simple? Us forgetting the invitation that disciples are called to make? Come and see? Notice here in the reading today, when Philip invites Nathaniel, and Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip doesn't get into a deep philosophical, theological debate about the virtues of Nazareth. Instead, he simply says, come and see. See, when we're inviting people to come to know Jesus, we're not trying to necessarily win an argument. We're not trying to prove ourselves right and prove them wrong. We're not even going out, and I'm not even telling you you need to go out and sort of defend all the horrible things that the church has done in the past or try and convert people on the spot or something like this. You're simply just called to go out and invite. People come to you and say, well, I got questions, all right. Well, come and see. Come and see what the Lord Jesus has to say, and he says it here at my church. Come and see what we're talking about in Bible study. Bring your questions. Come and see this this foundations course we now have at CLC where we invite people in so they can have these conversations on their way to becoming members of our church. 
All we're called to do is simply invite people to come and see. And though there is no ideal situation in which to invite, recognize that you are the very person that Christ has placed in this world and in the lives of others to give that invitation. And just remember what they'll find when they arrive. A shocking and world-changing welcome from the God who put on their flesh to die for their sin, who opens his arms with words of forgiveness and mercy and life, who will, they will find the light in the dark, the hope amidst the chaos, the promise of life in this world of death, for they will find Jesus. And Jesus will show them greater things than they can even imagine. You know it's true. After all, someone brought you here, you came and you saw and you know the truth. Christ Jesus has done this for you. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness to us, for the promises of forgiveness, life, and salvation. And Lord, we thank you that not only have you placed those promises in our hearts, you put them on our lips as well. Make us bold to invite people to come and see the great mercies that are ours on account of you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.